Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to our inaugural episode of Archivist Bet on Sex Edition, a bi-monthly podcast about the genre from a geek girl's perspective. My name is Elizabeth Catherine Gray, but a lot of people call me PKG or the head contest around these parts. Tonight's episode is titled Gateway Geek, an introduction to the show and to the sexy witches themselves. Thank you for listening and without further ado, let me introduce my co-host, the sexy witches. Sexy Witch number one is currently residing in West Virginia, where she works on film in her spare time from being a full-time elementary education student and mother. She has written about film on websites, red carpet crash, and inside posts. Her most recent short film just won the best documentary at the Colonial Film Festival in Marietta, Ohio. She is also one of my oldest friends on social media. Please welcome Jenny Sherman Richards to the show. Please and welcome to your welcome in, sexy witch. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Thanks for the introduction. Oh, no problem. Thank you for being on the show and thank you to being the co host. Now I didn't of use course. the title of your film really quick because I didn't want to mess it up. Can you give the title of your short film that just won the award? Yes, it's Virtus. Virtus. Okay, called, I yes. wanted to make it's sure. It's called I Virtus. Yes, I actually watched Virtus, and it was quite wonderful. And congratulations on the award. You totally deserved it. Thank you. No problem. And um, we're going to talk a little bit more about what she does um, on film sets and things in a few moments, but let me go ahead and introduce my next sexy witch. Give me just a moment. Sexy Witch number two is located in Eugene, Oregon. She is an inspiring filmmaker and a published writer. Her current gig is writing for Living Dead magazine, which is absolutely one of her dream jobs. Look for her wolfy attitudes on her personal blogs that are popular around the web and on YouTube. Please welcome to my show the most excellent host, Queenie Todd, the demon blogger, blogger and sexy witch. How are you doing, girl? Ow! doing great. Sounds wonderful. Welcome to the show. I hope you um, enjoy your time here with us, Sexy Witches, as we discuss genre. I think I'm among friends here. You most certainly are, (laughs) ma'am. So we're really glad. And we're glad. I know it's not been the easiest time to get on the radio, but here we are, and we're going to talk about what it's like to be a genre geek. It's not. It's always a little bit awkward, as we know, because as until recently, geeks weren't really that popular in pop culture. Now you can find geeks everywhere. But us older geeks, the geeks that started this craze and are now creating the art that most people are watching, uh, we had a little bit of a harder time of it growing up. And I like to talk about how we all discovered it, uh, one way or another. Um, but first, before I get into that, I wanted to talk about why the name of this, of, this, of this podcast is called Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches. 
does one of you guys want to explain why it is called Archivist Bed on Sexy Witches? If you don't, I'll do it. I can. Well, Hello? Uh, have you guys seen <laughs> Cabin in the Woods? Oh, certainly yes. have. It's, it's a little play on Cabin in the Woods. There's a scene in it where all the archivists are taking bets on what creatures are going to be summoned by the victims that they have set up. And Sexy Witches is one of the creatures. If you look at the board, all the yep. departments have a different bet. The archivists bet on Sexy Witches, and I, in my world, happen to actually be an archivist. So I <laughs> was really amused when I saw that on the board. So that's how this whole thing started, the title Archivist Bet on Sexy Witches, because it kind of represents everything I'm about. But history, sexy witches, horror, film, all of it. And um, so that's where the name came from. So I know a lot of people don't like the movie Cabin in the Woods. I don't know why they don't like it. Well, I do know, but, you know, I, I love the movie. But I don't understand. I understand why people <laughs> – I, I, I'm never quite sure. I hear their arguments. But everyone, even if they didn't like the film, agrees that the board was kind of a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the most fun – interactive things I've ever looked at. I mean, how many, I guarantee you, so many people have gone through that movie and paused and looked at every single thing on that board and all the videos that are going on. And it's just really, it, it was, it always really admired that film. And here we are. And I totally stole the idea from them. Archivist fed on sexy witches. I bet you they didn't even think about it when they wrote it. Well, I don't mind being a sexy witch. <laughs> No, uh, here's a funny thing. One of my um, Facebook friends said that she thought we were doing a podcast about Salem. <laughs> I love that show. That show's wicked. Yeah, we were talking <laughs> about it. I guess it's the hottest sexy witch show outside of Penny Dreadful right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, it is hot. I am telling you guys. Wow. I haven't seen it yet. You I just put it Salem in my queue. really good. Well, I guess it's going to be mandatory viewing for us sexy witches, it sounds like. so. I think so. We should make, um, like, a sexy witch uh, viewing material list. Required I, viewing. I actually, yeah, required I viewing. actually have been doing that, but I'm going to save that. That's going to be our special, and here's a good plug for the future of this podcast, our Halloween episode, which will be the 26th of October, will be about pagan friendly and sexy witches. So we will talk about witches and Halloween all bundled up into one happy orange bow with an ugly face on it. So, um, but definitely (laughs) I'll have all of Salem watched by the time we get to October. October is a long way off, and we're just right now going to start with our own sexy witches and our own stories. Right on. who Who wants to go first? Um, how about I'll, how about Queenie? Let's have you go first. Oh, I just put you on. Okay. Well, we are going to have you go first. But this is actually uh, there's something in your bio that's always made me laugh. And oh. when you put on your bio, it, it, and I just wanted to like maybe get a little bit more clarity on that. You said you're always like raised by a pack of werewolves, and we know you are a, a, a sexy werewitch. Okay, we know that. Oh. But um, you you say you use TV to soothe the screaming child's wailing. So how young were you when you started actually watching this stuff? I mean, if you're immortal, you could have been, like, oh, watching the classics, right? 
True, true. But realistically, I'm not immortal. Because um, that's the thing about werewolves, you see. Werewolves are actually more human than things like vampires and such, which is why I love them. But anyway, um, I started watching horror movies when I was roughly about two to five years old. The first horror movie I ever saw was Halloween. Scared the crap out of me. Yeah, and I really loved it, so I came back for more. (laughs) It transformed me. So, um, not without, you don't have to get into detail, but how was this in your world? How was this reception of this very young person suddenly obsessed with movies about people with knives and stab-stabbing all over the place? Well, when I was young, I, you know, I didn't really grow up in a very friendly household. I was you know, in a very rough, abusive household. But uh, horror movies were like an escape from that because I could see uh, monsters portrayed in a way where they could be beaten, if that makes any sense. Um, they could um, be conquered, yeah, they could be overcome, you know. Um, not everybody wins, not everybody lives, but a lot of them at the time, like the slasher films, they did have people win at the end. Like Freddy Krueger was always beaten, so he'd come back, you know. So it gave me hope, like, I could maybe conquer the demons in my real life, you know? That's wonderful, actually, because yes. it's one of the unsung things about horror I've always appreciated is that ultimately, it's not, I wouldn't call it an optimistic subgenre, but I would say it's a hopeful genre because there's always somebody holding out that Google conquer over evil. doesn't always happen. But there's always at least one or two characters that make the effort. And I've always appreciated that. Now, what are, when it comes yeah, to the editing are, and scripts... Um. <laughs> right. There are, there are horror movies, though, that I like not because of like anyone conquering evil or anything like that. I just like them because they're cathartic. Like, I really love Martyrs. I don't know if any of you guys seen that one. Um, Martyrs is a really brutal film. And it shows violence in a way that seems very realistic. Um, and it's about, like, what happens when you are pushed to your limits. And, you know, I, I, I love that film. It's, it's really kind of a personal favorite of mine. Um, but it the first time I watched it, it destroyed me. It was really a hard movie. And I wouldn't suggest it to just anyone. Like, if I was going to introduce someone to horror movies, I'd start with the simpler stuff, like Freddy Krueger and things like that, because then, you know, if they can handle that, (laughs) maybe you can handle some of the darker stuff. I wish I'd seen Martyrs. It's one of those films that keeps escaping me. I did see its cousin, Frontiers, which I thought was fantastic. Um, Yeah, Yeah, kitchen sink movie, everything. It was was like, you know, they just threw everything you could possibly think of into that film and then hit puree on a blender. And it's it's amusing. I really enjoyed that film a lot. But um, Martyrs, I actually will make a promise in the next couple of months to watch it for you, Queenie, because I've been meaning to watch it and I've been dragging my feet. So I will watch it I am honored. So, great. I I really Um, highly recommend it. I, I, I know that goes very highly. I really, really want to see it. I'm going to move over to uh, Jenny, who's been quietly waiting there. How are you doing, girly? I'm good. Oh, I'm so glad you're always good. So I'm going to name some names to you, and you tell me what they mean, all right? Jerry Dennis. Okay. Moise Jerry Clemens. Dennis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Moise Clemens. 
Um, good doctor. Molly Selashti. Yes. Kelsey. Molly. Kelsey's a and, Kelsey. Yep. And then one more who's no longer with us, Tony DeFrancesco. Do you remember? Yeah, whatever happened to him? I have no idea. Those were I the found first him on Twitter. people in our group. That was the they first were. group that found each other. You know, and then other people came on, but that was way back in 2006 when we, yes. and I don't even know how it happened, but we ended up creating this kind of community of people that have survived two or three versions of MySpace and then moved over to Facebook and became what is now the Film Geek Circle, and everybody has their own projects, even us today. Can you imagine how far we have gone since then? I know, I can't believe it. And and if it wasn't for this stuff, I wouldn't have met Queenie or you. And here we are talking about films since 2006. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a Neo moment. <laughs> I know. I think we are in the Matrix. That's probably very true. So I, just, I looked up that list of names, and I was like, all of them I still know, except for Tony D. He's the only yeah. one that we know. I don't know who where he is. I even know where Tony F, one of our our second second round people coming through. I know where he is, but I I have no idea where Tony D is. And he was super active. He was. So, he started film arcade. So if you're out there, Tony D, uh, and you somehow find this podcast, there's people that miss you and love you, and you should come back and find us. Yeah, just home. check in. He was a young kid, too, and so he must be in his, I don't know, early to mid-20s by now, maybe? He was yeah, really he young. Was eight, he was 16. I think he was the youngest of our group, and he was the only yes. underage person we were talking to. So, yes. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, he was really young, but he was really, really talented, and we thought he was going to go really far real fast, and he probably did. He's probably some famous writer in Hollywood right now winning an Oscar <laughs> under an assumed name. You know. So, Jenny, now you you come at this a little bit differently. Like myself and Queenie, we kind of got it as a child. I myself got it from my parents. Both my parents were geeks. My dad was a science fiction nerd, as classic science fiction nerd as you can get, and my mother was a hardcore Trekkie. Um, we saw Star Wars together in the theaters five times. They saw it six. I was four years old. So it kind of changed my life forever. I lived in a very poor, poor neighborhood. And I'm not talking about like like I was kind of poor. We're talking about declared war zone poor. Richmond, California is, is this really, it's, it's still got a domestically declared war zone right across the bridge from my house where I grew up. And um, my my uh, dad and I used to go to movies all the time. That was our Sunday thing to do. And so movies became part of my life and was part of my escapism from because there wasn't much else to do out there. My parents were very well-rounded people, and I got a lot of great stuff from them, but we were still living in kind of this environment. And I used it for escape, and I fell in love. And when, you know, watching, watching Star Wars at 4, it just kind of turns you into this crazy person. And I was never quite shaken it off. So I was a science fiction nerd, a fantasy geek, well before I fell in love with horror even. So I did get the classics from my mother. She loved Universal. Now, I'm going to get back to you. Stop enough about me here. But um, 
you you really didn't get into it until you were older and you were living in Dallas, right? You really started falling in love with film on that move. And can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to to discover film in that scene? Well, I um, I grew up in a very, like, uh, beaver-cleaver kind of household. My dad was a pastor. My mom was an elementary school teacher. We were very middle class. Um, but my dad was a, like you said, he was a hard science, hardcore science fiction and fantasy geek. Um, he was a big fan of Tolkien, and uh, he was a big Trekkie. Uh, my mom, I didn't find out until much later because she suppressed it because she was upset that I liked darker films. I remember renting Beetlejuice when I would be homesick, and she thought it was just so awful and morbid. And why do you like this movie? And um, But I found out much later that she loves monster movies and horror films. Um, in fact, as an adult, one time she came over to my house, and we had the evening free, and we were having a glass of wine. And I said, Mom, pick a movie from all of my movies. And we'll watch that. And she picked Hellboy 2 out of all of them. So she has a big fondness for monster films, but she nice. she tried to suppress it my entire life. Um, so I think it, it was just always kind of ingrained in me. And we would always, as, as a family, watch movies. I remember one Easter Sunday after church, my dad had preached a sermon. As a family, we walked to the video store and we rented um, Arachnophobia. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what my mom wanted to watch on Easter Sunday. So that's what we did. Um, so so, that so was, you do have this childhood connection, because you always talk about you really didn't get into it until you moved. Well, I got into it. We moved to the Dallas area when I was eight years old, and we moved from the San Francisco area. My dad was planting a new church in the Dallas area. So um, I was still I was still fairly young when we moved to Dallas, and then – when I got older, the very first actual horror movie I ever saw in the theaters was Scream in 1997, which was the year I graduated high school. Um, and it just, it floored me. I had never seen that much violence before in my life. I had never seen, I just, I thought that I, I was scared to death. I didn't know what to do with myself. So, but it, like, it opened this door. And so when I went to college, I would rent all as many horror movies as I could get my hands on because I hadn't seen any of them. I hadn't seen any Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th or any Halloween movies. I'd never seen any of that, and it was just such a fascination. And I, it just has never stopped. So when like did you, you get start, that start writing? When I, I started writing, um, actually when I got on MySpace in 2006. And I I had just seen, uh, what was it, Juwan in the movie theaters. And that movie, that movie changed me, too. I had never seen a Japanese horror movie before. And it just, it opened a whole new world. And I was like, they're foreign horror movies? This is amazing. So I, I started doing all of these MySpace searches for horror movie groups and people that I could talk to about these movies because I didn't know anybody personally. Um so that's when I found all these people, like you had named all those names, and they were all writing movie reviews. And I was like, how is this a thing? You can actually write your own movie reviews. So I just decided to start doing it myself. And that's how that started. You got the bug. What about you, Queen? What about you, Queen? Me? When did you start writing? Yeah, when did you decide, I'm going to start writing? writing. talking about this. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay, so I've always been a writer. Like, uh, when I was 16, I wrote, like, a short horror story, and I won, like, a little contest in my hometown. And, you know, nothing really big, but but it was was important to me at the time. I was like, oh, my God. Um, And I've always just had this urge to write. And, you know, I write creatively. I also write um, journalistically. And, you know, I, I started a blog around the time I was going through immigration stuff with my husband. I needed a distraction. So, like, I saw the blog, blogs of other people, and I was like, I could do that. So I started up Queen Todd and wrote uh, reviews of things that I liked and just talked about horror all the time. And um, from there, I, you know, went on to do other things and here I am, writing for Living Dead Magazine, which is really awesome. Um, yeah. That's so great. You know, we it's it's always, I found you a couple years ago, where you actually found each other through my group, The Madness, which we'll talk about oh, probably yeah. in length in a later episode. But we kind of, you know, it's kind of, it, it, the ball kind of left, I can't even explain. It just the the ball started rolling and it kept getting bigger. And my circle gets bigger, yeah. and then more people come in, and and here we are with this, this podcast. And you know, it turns out, and what I really loved about you, Queenie, is that it turned out that I knew a lot of your other people in your circle well before I knew you. But then I found you, and you were like this kindred spirit on the West Coast, and so uh, oh, I really appreciate it that you're here. Aww. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, and, and also, your your strength is, is horror films, and I, I'm good at horror films, you're better. And so I, you know, will lo- always love listening to you talk about horror films, and I hope our listeners will as well. And and Jenny has always been kind of on the pulse of independent film, and I also, and so I think we're a good balance here of of a little bit of everything. I'm the science nerd, and I love a little bit of all film. And you guys, and I'm the you know I'm the jack of all trades, but you guys are my specialists. You know, you're my sexy witches after I'm all. Specialists. And, and you are specialists. Doesn't that make you feel so warm and fuzzy? Oh my God. God. Hey, folks, you know, we're starting to lose some of our conversation here, so why don't you give us a call, 646-716-9172. We would love to hear about your favorite sexy witches that you like to see on television or anything at all. This is a warm-up show. We're just getting into the gravy of it next week when we do our first roundtable discussion, which is going to be so much fun. After all, it is something that every single girl that's a geek of some kind has an obsession with, whether they love it or not. I would say for myself, um, it is, you know, I call this episode the Gateway Geek for the very reason that I believe these are gateway drugs into future fantasy and, and horror fans. And I want to talk the Disney villains. Um, I said a lot of, um, you know, everyone loves Disney, but there's a lot of geek girls have obsession with the villains in particular. And if you think about what these villains really are and what they represent, they're rather terrifying people. And I think it kind of preps you and gets you ready for the adult horrors in life. And, and, and it got me ready for horror films when I started realizing that the themes were the same. So we'll talk about that next week, but how do you, feel, how do you guys feel about Disney villains? Me, I love Disney films. 
I have a mixed feeling about Disney films. I love Disney villains. I will I won't lie. Disney villains tend to be what I'm drawn to the most. But usually Disney films have messages that I just can't get behind, you know? Um, I was never a princess kind of girl, put it that way. I went for the evil queen. Right? <laughs> I'm Queenie Todd, like come on. <laughs> um, what about you, Jenny? You like the films because you, you, I mean, right now you're a mom, so you're probably reliving some of these films again. Yes, and that's a lot of fun to introduce these films that I grew up loving to you know the whole new generation, and it's so much fun to watch them experience those for the first time. But I am not a Frozen fan. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't think that movie has a villain, though, does it? Like, the villain shows up for five minutes and then it's done. That well, movie's ridiculous. The boyfriend, the boyfriend was, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. He tricks her. Elsa's close. Elsa's the first princess villain, but she doesn't quite crush the threshold into the villain. But she almost does. But she's like my first Disney princess villain. So I kind of liked she's her like, for that. She's like a flaky villain, though. She just doesn't really, I don't know. Well, she doesn't have any social skills. No. That's what happens when you're locked up for most of your life. Yeah. I mean, how is she supposed to react? I've always said, like, you know, you just, you know, didn't prepare for the future or for your deaths or anything. And here's this girl. There was that, like, clip that someone said how it it should have ended, and it was, like, the most truthful thing I had ever seen, and it was so hysterical. And she ends up going to Xavier's college for the gifted. Or it's called the gifted at the end of the That's clip. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll find that and I'll put it on the profile page on Facebook if you want to see it. So. See, I could have gone behind that. That would have been great. <laughs> she can, like, hang so. out with Jean Grey. And, <laughs> and she and Iceman could have gotten married and... Oh, yeah. Happily There's ever so, after. so many pictures on the Internet. So many pictures of those two. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yes, oh, yeah. Thought, There's, yeah. like, flash and everything, you know. Because it's the Internet. Come on. Uh, yeah, I love Disney villains. And Disney villains also always have the best songs. Always. This is true. They sometimes do. And I want to save details for later, but I would want to say that I would say of all my favorite Disney songs in the world, the top one that I could talk about briefly would be Poor Unfortunate Souls from Little Mermaid. I think that oh, is yeah. the highlight of any Disney film ever. The whole sequence is fabulous. Uh, it, it, Ursula is absolutely sexually fully realized character, and she doesn't give a fuck. And I love that about her. You know, she's, you know, I just had to rewatch The Little Mermaid recently because my, my, of course, my five-year-old daughter is obsessed with it, like every other five-year-old girl. And I have to say, boy, is there a lot of sex in Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. There is a ton of sex, and it's it's not really implied. It's kind of there, you know. It's more than just a little wink or a nod or anything. I mean, at one point, when Ursula transforms from a hot girl into herself again, what's the first thing that pops out? Her boobs. That's right, her boobs. 
So anyway, we won't talk about <laughs> Ursula much more because I'm I want to bring save this for the trip. But that's the kind of things we're mm-hmm. going to talk about on the next episode. We're going to each take, and this is how I was going to envision us doing a roundtable discussion. We're going to write our top ten down, but we're only going to say our top five on air, and each of us will take turns giving a little introduction of why they're at this position and what you love about them and stuff, and then we'll discuss them casually, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll go on to the next one, and if somebody has the same one, you know, we'll skip over it and go to the next you know, person. We'll just keep doing that until we hit our number one. Now, my number one, I'm going to go last in the surf cycle, because, and I'm going to tell you right now what my number one is, because the other part of this show has to do with also we're going to watch a film and talk about it in relation to our themes every week or every bi-week, I should say. So, um, And my number one per- villain is Maleficent. She's always been my favorite. She will always be my favorite. Um, I will say, talk about that on the next show. But that also means I'm going to ask the sexy witches for the next two weeks to watch Sleeping Beauty. I've already asked them to also watch Beauty and the Beast because it is the Oscar winner. And it's always nice to compare um, old, the older animation with the Golden Age animation because they're two completely different fields of, of, of thought, yet they're both great films in their own right and um, and, and style everything. <laughs> you know, but also, I'm not going to force you to watch the the Charlize Theron version. Okay, you can if you want to, because I will talk about it a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that's optional. But if you want to watch that, too, just for background, you can have time. But please watch. We're going to watch um, Sleeping Beauty for sure and talk about it. Cause, and um, Jenny and I have been having versions of this conversation between her and Sleeping Beauty and with Beauty and the Beast since, I don't know, since we've been talking together. So it will be so much fun, Queenie, to bring you in on this conversation because we have some very large, interesting theories about who's actually the villains in some of these movies. And it isn't always the person you think it is. That's a lot of fun, actually, trying to figure out who the villain is. Yeah. Because one thing I've noticed about Disney films is that they actually do kind of run on the rules of magic. And there are rules to magic, especially the, uh, the Wiccan sexy witch magic we're talking about here. And they do seem to follow those rules. They seem to follow the character's fay, like an Irish legends. I mean, of course, there's movies like The Black Cauldron, which was blatant about it, but that was because they took directly a myth. But I'm talking about, like, Sleeping Beauty. All of them have real base and real mythos, if you break it down. And and then if you start to think about those mythos, you'll start to see the motivations to these characters actually make a lot of sense. But it also is, and it's completely in character for what a fae is. A lot of people, for example, think fairies are these happy little creatures, but most fairies are not. Fairies are right. quite scary. <laughs> Terrifying, <laughs> actually. Uh, yes. You know, and the group fairy tales, these all... are all based off of, you know, like um, Sleeping Beauty, um, uh, Snow White. These are based off of grim fairy tales that are really terrifying that have been Disneyified. Like, that's what people call it when you watch a Disney film. This fairy tale has been Disneyified. It's softer. It's, it's more gentle. It's easier for kids to to watch and enjoy and parents don't feel so bad having them watch that. But personally, I think the Grimm fairy tales are much more interesting. Uh, my mother was made sure that I had the Grimm fairy tales. Matter of fact, I have a leather-bound copy of them downstairs on my, excuse me, on nice. my shelf as we speak. Because uh, once again, I said she was the fantasy science fiction geek as well as my father. 
Uh, yeah, there, but at the same time, I also appreciate that that Disney was, you know, some people got to the Grimm's Fairy Tales through Disney, and there's that aspect yeah, of it as well, you know. Um, you know, I had Absolutely. no idea that when that because I had this copy right of this book, mm-hmm. really old version of it, and I opened it up and it says Asherpunzel, and I'm like, what the hell is Asherpunzel? And I'm reading it, and it turned out it was Cinderella, and that was the real story, right? So I was like, oh, yeah. that this story is violent as fuck, you know. <laughs> so you know, okay, I wasn't really saying that it was a little girl that could barely read, but this is my version of of my reaction to it. Okay, I mean, it totally floored me, but at the same time, I was, um, you know, it, it led me to these stories, and I read them. You know, my mother wanted to make sure I read them, too. Uh, my mother was also a, a kind of torturous to young kids because she also forced me to watch Wizards the same, in 79, um, I believe. You yeah. don't know how old I am. <clears throat> okay? And so the reason why she made me watch it is because Mark Hamill was in it. Mark Hamill was in it <laughs> for like five right. minutes. Yeah, Mark Hamill did it for five minutes, and then he shot a long time. six times and dies a horrible, horrible death. Yep, <laughs> you know? yep. and that's how the movie starts <laughs> but I will say uh, it also you know <laughs> well not counting that long ass intro but we won't go there right now but, but a very interesting conversation. Comes, yeah my mother well I want to do we're going to talk about adult um, so as a matter of fact here's a flag I've decided to make August animation August because right now we have two shows slated. One is about adult adult uh, cartoons and uh, adult films aimed at you know and films aimed at adults. So animated films aimed at adults and bronies. We're going to cover the bronies because that's oh, brony week here in Baltimore. Oh boy! But My then the two weeks proud. later, we're also doing Archer. So um, you know, so we're going to do yeah. animation for 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 the week for the month of August. I thought that would be fun. So look for those episodes if you're in brony culture or not. It's interesting that um, that we're going to cover all geek culture here on Sexy Witches. It's not just about our own interests. Geek culture is 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 varied and and is is infinite as the possibilities. Okay, so um, you can do almost anything. The brony culture does deserve a look. Because, well, I mean, after when thousands of people like something all together at once, there must be something of value for them. So, you know, and I'll, I'll admit it, I absolutely love the show, too. <laughs> That's another story. That's all down the road. So there brony, will be... so. You are a brony? No, my husband is. He's a brony. So oh, your we have husband's him... a brony. Yes, yes, he is. He loves uh, finding, like, um, weird mashups of, uh, my Little Pony stuff and showing it to me just to wig me out. <laughs> we have like this game. Would he be us, willing? You know? Would he be willing to come on the show that day? I will have to see because he might be working at the time. So we will um, see. Because of he's, and he's kind of I would shy, love. So. I don't have a guest yet for that episode, and I would love to get a, a, a hardcore brownie on the show, or at least a brownie <laughs> that claims brownie. You know, to he, talk he about brownie. what it's like. He claims brownie. Yeah. I would love to, you know, I, I get away with it. I have a five-year-old daughter. I can pretend, you know, it, that, you know, oh, I watch it because I have a daughter, which is total bullshit. I like it. I watched <laughs> it when she was an infant. So, you know, it, it, you know, that's just an excuse, honestly. But but I want to, like, know what it's like to be a brownie and not a teenager, a man, 
and love no, Milo Tony. I understand. I totally understand why they like it because they're the same writers that are writing their comic books. So of course, guys are going to like My Little Pony. It's fantasy. It's high fantasy. It's just written in the you know it it was aimed at girls initially, but if you watch the show now, I don't think it's aimed at girls at all. I think it's aimed at a family audience, a little bit of everybody, because I it's one of the most organic cultures I've ever seen because it has a direct relationship with the creators because of the internet and social media, and they're and them and Game of Thrones. Have, are the like new generation of culture in, in the geek culture because you know, before when we fell in love with Star Wars, we had to find ways to find each other. Once again, like even yeah. 2006, I was desperate to find. I just I went to this amazing thing in Austin called the Butnumathon, which is hosted by Harry Knowles and Tim League of Alamo Draft House, and um, it's Tim it's Harry Knowles' birthday, and I wanted to talk about it. You know, and I was like, nobody understands being all self-piteous yeah. and stuff, right? And, and so I remember, went on MySpace. Yeah, I remember MySpace. I remember BBSs, okay? Like, that's how far back I go in geek culture. If <laughs> you want to you <laughs> show how old I am. <laughs> but, yeah, like, BBSs where we could meet each other. And, like, it was a lot harder back in those days to find other geeks. I mean, we had to dig. And we had, like, Internet that was, like, you know, phone line, so, you know, you had to ask your mom if you could, you know, (laughs) use the internet. (laughs) I don't know about you guys, that was my, uh... (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't online like that yet, because I never had a new, you know, never had a computer, but I remember, like, I wanted to look, I was a hardcore into the Animaniacs when I was in college. Okay, And, and I would get they had one of the first fan sites, you know, on the, on the World Wide Web. Or at that point, they were calling this the Information Superhighway. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> oh my god! So, so I went on, and I would sit there, and I'd watch it load, and it would like draw the top, and then it would bring down another. Oh, there's Rocco's head. And it would finally fill in, and then you'd have to click from the home menu into the menu you'd want to. And you had to wait again, and it would drop down. And my friends are like, my friends are like, Queenie, do you remember Legend of the Red Dragon on BBS? Oh my God, yes, I remember. And yes, I got yelled at all the time for being on the internet because someone needed to use the phone. (laughs) Oh, man, I feel so old now. I'm older than both of you, so. But, did you have any fun times on the Internet when they were still dial-up? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. We had dial-up days. (laughs) Yeah, my first year of college was was 97 and Windows 95 was out, but my parents sent me to college (laughs) with this old computer that still had, like, Windows 3.1 or something, and it had dial-up internet. And I remember my college roommate and I, like, we would go to load a web page and then, like, you know, click enter or whatever to to get it to start loading, and then we would go take a shower and get ready and then yeah. come back and it would still be loading. It took, like, an hour to load anything? Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just going to go make some dinner now. <laughs> yep, I'll come back and maybe check my email if it's loaded. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, the old days. Kids don't know how good oh, they yes. got it 
Yeah, those whippersnappers, they don't know what it's like to hear that noise and go, it's going to be oh, yeah, a couple forever. days before I get my website. <laughs> so, that oh, was such an exciting but, yeah. noise at the time. You would get so excited. Oh, oh my God. I'm like, yay, internet, yay. Yeah, then there was the times when you couldn't get through and it just looped over and over and over again. And I was just so mad. Bye. Yes. <laughs> I had no patience, man, no patience. No, I, but that that's all good. Now we can actually have the capabilities to do what we've always wanted and everybody, to do. And everybody know? would, like, distribute those free Internet, like, CD, ROM access <laughs> things that you could download. AOL. You know? <laughs> yeah. There were, like, a hundred different ones, which everybody always had, like, ten of them just laying around their house because everybody dropped them yep. off all the time. We use them as coasters, you know. <laughs> oh, that's right. They come in the mail. I forgot about those. Yeah. Just, you know, if I met someone them and made a collage, they'd be all shiny. Oh, that's lovely. Make it into art. That's a good idea. Someone actually did that in Sacramento. There, somebody took a wall of, of CDs and put these on these little spires so they blow in the wind, and it does this movement thing. It's really cool. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That is awesome. So, yeah, I know. So it wasn't my idea, but yeah, I, I always wanted to do that, though, make a collage or something out of broken CDs and stuff. So, But I'm a dork, and I think about weird things like that. So, so I'm going to talk to Jenny. I wanted to... Oh, well, that's why we're here. We're the sexy witches, yep. but we're still geeks. So um, I wanted to ask Jenny about her award show. Um, what was, did she accept in person? What was it like to win something? Because you're, like you're not the first geek I've known that won something, but you're my closest geek friend I know that has won something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was really crazy. We weren't expecting it. This is a really, really small film festival, and... Um, they just announced the awards and and we honestly we were about to leave because we never win anything and <laughs> and they announced it and you know we came up and they we had our picture in the local paper and it was just, it was really cool very surreal we have the award on our mantle. <laughs> it we're very proud that of that. Does your brain go blank? They say when you win an award like that, your brain goes blank. Is that true? Oh, yeah, definitely. We just, I, I don't even think we said anything. Uh, it really wasn't like an acceptance speech kind of deal. It was just a, you know, come and get your award. Thank you. Um, so we just went up there and we shook the hands of the festival director and got our picture done, and that was it. But, yeah, I, it was just, it was all such a blur. I think my picture, I'm like half smiling. Like, I would be, it's like, we won something? That's crazy. This movie that we made for, we we literally like borrowed a camera from somebody and uh, the person that we borrowed the camera from felt very, uh, she felt very strongly about what we were doing. This film is about uh, the Steubenville rape trial that made national news about the high school kids and so we were going to film a rally uh, by Anonymous to support the victim. And so the, the lady that we borrowed the camera from, she was like, here, take my camera. Here's 50 bucks for gas. And so that was, we literally had $10 in our bank account and drove up there and filmed it. And so this movie that we made for $50 was an award. 
Well, hooray, hooray. I'm so proud of you guys. And, yes, and you can find Virtus. Virtus. I'm sorry. See, I always mess it up. I'm so sorry. But you can find it on, is it available on YouTube yet? Uh, I don't know if it's on YouTube. It should be available on Viewster.com. We entered it okay. in the Viewster Online Film Festival, and they wanted it for uh, for distribution. So we signed a distribution agreement with them, and they should have it available. I'm not sure if it's on yet. I haven't checked. Okay. But it's okay, just well, let us know when it's available. I will. Viewster.com. Yeah, please let us know. Uh, and before I move on to the next segment, Queenie, I wanted to talk about one more thing we haven't talked about. You are a published Certainly. author, and and you uh, recently said you have uh, contributed to a book from DAW Books called The Ages of Wonder. I'm assuming it's a short compilation. Would you like to talk a little bit oh, yeah. about it? That was like years ago, but yeah, um, Ages of Wonder was like my first little publication in anything big. Um, it was like brought out by Daw Books, and um, it's a fantasy story uh, about like um, – the setting's 1920s, and there's, like, a gumshoe, and, and he's, you know, totally like the um, old, you know, uh, what am I thinking of? The old, like, um, stories back in, like, the 1920s, they had, like, the little, uh, I can't think of it right now. Dang it. My brain just blanked. But anyway... There's there's a gumshoe in it. He's really kind of fun and snarky, and, and he's on a, a job to try and um, find this uh, phoenix that got kidnapped. So it was like my first time ever being published in anything, you know, major, and I was really excited. And I went to, like, the um, opening day of, of, the, of the book and met all the writers, and it was lovely. I had a really good time. Um, that was my first do you, case do you of, have any- you know, publishing. Do you have anything recent you'd like to uh, shout out about before we move on? Um, recently, I have things in um, Living Dead magazine articles that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I've written. Um, the next issue uh, coming out, I have an article about um, Vanessa Ives from Penny Dreadful. It's kind of like a love letter to her because I really love her. Oh, there's a um, sexy witch. She's a very sexy witch. Very sexy. <laughs> I quite enjoy her. Um, she's possessed by demons, so you know that's kind of fun. Oh, and nice. the, and Penny Dreadful has like every horror icon, like classic horror monster you could think of. Lovely, lovely. Love that show. Oh, great! Um, and we will definitely talk about Penny Dreadful sometime later on in this podcast because yeah. you know once again we've got sexy witches, and it's one of the more hotter. Um, Hotter shows on television. Some people really, really are into that show. I also want to do uh, some science fiction, too, like Orphan Black as well later on in the podcast. But I also want to do a segment once a week, and I haven't told you about this, but I want to do a community calendar. And I know that sounds dorky, but as a kid, when you woke up in the morning, you'd watch your music videos in the morning, and it would be like, you know, David Bowie, let's dance, sit on, you don't you? Well, they always have like a community calendar. So I wanted to pick things that are happening in the week that we wanted to, that we could talk about. And, of course, for future episodes, you're, being, of course, going to contribute to this list as well. But I'm going to talk a little bit, and you can contribute if you've seen the film or what we're talking about. You Please, um, chime in, girls, because this is all of us together. And so here is my community calendar theme music. 
Let's see. Good work. There we go. There's my community calendar teamwork. Okay. First of all, this is the Netflix pick of the week, and actually it's probably the Netflix pick of the month because it's a film that everyone's really, really excited about. I have yet to see it, and I've been regretting that I didn't get it in before I um, voted for Fright Meters, which is an awards committee for horror that I'm part of. And it's The Babadook, from, uh, which is finally out on Net Instant Netflix, which is supposed to be one of the hottest um, horror films of the year. Have either one of you seen it yet? I have. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. I have, too. It hits, like, all yeah, the buttons I'm... for, like, a whole bunch of things. Oh, it's so well done. It's, like, an amazing twisted fairy tale with a, yeah. a good moral at the end that I thought was kind of funny. But, yeah, it's it's great. Great. I, I regret that I have not been able to catch it yet, but now I most certainly, matter of fact, as I sign out of this broadcast and make sure my daughter is down, that is immediately what's going on tonight. So I will let people know how I like it. Now, here's one thing interesting I'm going to say before I move on to the next thing. A lot of people said that people, women and people with kids, tend to relate more to this film than people that have an aversion to kids because there's a very annoying little boy in it. I wanted to know yeah. if either one of you, because you're on opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, and do you agree with that? If, why don't you go first, Queenie? Okay. Because you love the For film me, anyway. I'm on the uh, I'm on the spectrum of people who aren't really into children. Like I, I'm not gonna say that I hate them. I'm just not. No. I am, you know, child-free. I I I'm pretty adamant about that. I. I just don't, I, I don't do well with kids. I don't know how to relate to them. But watching this film, I could still relate to what was happening because I was abused as a child, and there is child abuse in this film. The way it's portrayed, though, is what's interesting, and that's why it made it really interesting for me to watch it, and I did enjoy it for that reason because of how they took that concept of child abuse. And it's just, it, you got to see it. I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Okay, and and you are the exact opposite end of this. So how yes. do you feel about this? I felt it was completely relatable, and and that's what I find so funny about it is because the way the mom reacts in in the situations when a little boy is misbehaving, it's something that you know we all fear that we do as a mother. You are always afraid that you're being too harsh on your kids and. You know, you try not to be, but, I mean, she just goes totally overboard. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like what you think actually, what you think happens in your head when you just scold your child, you know, in a completely normal way. But it's what, what you think other people are seeing you do if you do it in public. If that makes any sense? So, yeah, well, I, it, I'm sure it'll make more sense when I see the film tonight. But I was just curious because I, I, I know, I'm not saying that people that are single can't relate to a movie if it's not about something they relate to normally in their real life. I'm just saying a lot of people that said, well, I found the kid annoying and I don't like kids, so I didn't like the movie. That seemed to be I a heard a lot of that one well. major, Yeah, a lot of criticism on that end. And I was just curious okay. if there was a a validity to that statement or not. I think the kid had sometimes to be, like, 
Sorry, I, I I think that the kid had to be annoying for you to understand what the mother was going through. Like otherwise, like right. you'd just be like, well, she's just being, you know. But no, this is like watching her slowly descend, you know, because of this kid just driving her nuts. It happens to every parent, and hopefully the they don't cross the line. The kid is pretty horribly behaved. Oh. I mean, he's just a terror, and right. It's, it's well, such a great I movie. Wait. I can't wait to get your reaction. <laughs> I don't um, want to I'm really anything. looking forward to it. So good. You know, I'm trying you know, not to get too excited because I sometimes get overexcited when I know a horror film is going to be good. But, but Brit, the Brits have not been letting me down lately. I have actually been very impressed with a lot of the British horror and Irish horror that's coming out. It's, it's all been very is solid. Is Australian? Is this Australian? I thought it was English. I thought it was Australian. You know what? I think you're right. I don't I remember. Always get them mixed. Either way, Australia too. Australia always has great films. I've been. I love Australian movies, and and we can do. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to double check like and see the film. Um, I wasn't going to talk about Pop Music tonight that much, but I, I'm so excited to see it. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. So I'll tell you how I feel about it. And I'm sure, Jenny, you're right. I'm sure it's Australian. I just smoke crack. So um, so let me move on <laughs> to a new subject. Okay. All right. Um, now, I wanted to give a shameless plug to one of my colleagues here in Baltimore. His name is Chris LaMartina. He's getting on a plane tomorrow, and he's flying to Austin because Alamo Village is, is going to show his new film called Girl Cthulhu, which I have a Ooh. special thanks on. And, and I'm very, very, very proud of these guys. These guys, he, he just turned 30 like two days ago. He's already got several films under his belt and won many awards. Call Girl is killing it on the festival circuit. Absolutely yeah. killing it. And um, and I finally got to see it last week. When I, a couple of weeks ago. I, I, yeah, last week I finally got a chance to put it in and watch it. And it's traumatic. And I recommend it to anybody who likes a lot of silly gore and over-the-top humor and puppets and Cthulhu. And and I even have a costume. They gave me a costume of things. And so I'm going to wear it to a convention in the near future. So, to Chris and to Jimmy George, his partner, who's staying behind. Chris is actually flying out with Melissa O'Brien, the star, and they're going to actually get to talk in person about it. Um, and but Jimmy is going to be busy filming. So their new film, which they started shooting this week. So congratulations to those kids, man. They are really going a lot of places. And speaking of going a lot of places, another group of people I wanted to give a shout-out to because at the end of this week, April 19th, the Rondo Hatton Awards, the ballot, expires. So if you're a horror geek of any kind, you should be voting for the Rondo. The Rondo is the single most important horror genre outside of horror society out there. And I'm saying this as a member of a horror film award committee. The Rondos matter. It is a bit of a popularity contest, but they do matter. And Calvo Cthulhu is up for independent horror, actually. Um, Runs really, really Really big competition, though. I mean, really, including, I think, the Vibadix on that list. So, um, But just being nominated alone with those titles is, is, wow, it's pretty incredible. But a few of our colleagues and friends are also up for awards, and I wanted to give them a quick shout-out. First of all, James Harris, uh, he's, up, he's up for one of my, like, I call him my Internet husband because him and I are kindred spirits and when it comes to our love of crazy films, and we work together a lot. I write for him. He writes for me. 
good relationship. Nicole gets annoyed, but then appreciates. But I love her too. And she's. And by the way, congratulations. She's about to have another little girl. So congratulations to Nicole. And uh, keep up the good fight there. James is going to be off the. He's going to be very busy for a while. So good luck, sir. But he's up for a rondo, and so I wanted to make sure people knew that. And also a friend of Queenie's who's been on his show is J.K. Who's up for bed podcast? Yep. He's the host of the Horror Happens Radio Show. You got a few of my sexy witches on there, including uh, uh, Bonnie, who's a, a good, uh, which, who's not only a sexy witch, she's also a sexy vampire. Yeah, so uh, so he he's very very a friend to us sexy witches, and I think he might be listening tonight. So sir, thank you if you are. And um, also, you know, so I wanted to give a shout out to those folks for that are up for this award. And uh, don't forget to vote; it's really easy. You just go to the website, and uh, it's due April nineteenth. You don't have to vote in every single award category. And as people look at the rondo, it can be really complicated because they go into every little article every little cover, action figures, anything that has to do with the horror subgenre and uh, science fiction. And there's ne- even writing categories for monster kids. Monster kids could be horror hosts like myself, the head huntress. Ha ha. No, just kidding. Uh, but it is about mm-hmm. horror hosts like Elvira and Gordeval and Bob Wilkins who are already on that list. Uh, you know, uh, so you always vote for our favorite monster kids. This year, I voted for the people that did the documentary um, Video Nasty that came out a couple years ago because I think those film critics on that um, particular, and I'll talk about that in another episode, are so good and know everything about their their horror subgenre that they deserve to be on the monster kid list too. So um, I've already voted, obviously, so please vote. And last but not least, and this is the one final thing I wanted to talk about on the um, segments, is that once uh, every couple of weeks we have, we're going to have a special guest on to talk with us about our subject. And next week's guest is also going to be, get this girl, we have a West Coast correspondent that will call in and give us the, they're going to give us the heads up on this weekend's Star Wars celebration at Disneyland in Anaheim. And it will also give us um, uh, call-ins and talk about the local you know, community and conventions happening there, including, just at all, San Diego Comic-Con. We will have someone there. So, woo-hoo. So, wow. um, we'll post those photos on our our uh, Facebook page if anybody wants to see them. And, well, he's also an inside job. Oh, because he's my cousin, Aaron Kogan. But I've got to go. We're going to talk more about that next week when we introduce him. I want to thank my sexy witches for being on the show. I want to also give a special shout-out to Eric, Eric Polk and Rhonda Dollarvin Horror, who have been helping me set up the show during the week, and Jamie Duvall and Movie Geeks United as well, and all my other people that have thanked our, liked our pages and shared. And um, once again, thank you, Queenie, and thank you, Jenny. We will have a little bit longer shows in the future. Much love, and... Good will hunting. Blessed be, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.